This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly supported by McDelivery, bringing you the food you love. McDelivery brings a top-tier lineup of food right to your door. No matter the results, you'll always be winning with McDelivery. Order now on the McDonald's app and you'll get rewards points delivered too. So that ordering today means some tasty rewards for tomorrow. Only via app at participating restaurants. 18 plus rewards registration required. Points only on menu items, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. Sky Blues Extra. Hello and welcome to the Sky Blues Extra podcast, which is kindly sponsored by Shortened Horn, Coventry's leading estate agents. My name is Tom Ward and I'm joined this evening by Dean. Hello. Evening, Dino. And we've also got Matt on board tonight. How are we doing? Yeah, not too bad. Not, yeah, not too bad, but a little bit disappointed after yesterday. Um, a disappointing defeat for the Sky Blues at the hands of West Brom. As usual, we'll take a look back at all of the action from yesterday. We'll also look ahead to next weekend's fixture against Huddersfield. Uh, Matt, I'll start with you. Um, what are your feelings after yesterday? Yeah, frustrating one. It's one of those weeks you kind of wish we had a, uh, a midweek game to kind of try and get us back on track or just try and get your mind off it because it was a. It's just a frustrating game. It wasn't a wasn't a good weekend for us and you'd just like to, to have the opportunity to kind of jump straight back in. But I think it's one, you know, hoping anyway, more than anything in the next few days, we'll, we'll kind of look at it and think, you know, st- everything's still overall. We're, we're still in a great position. We're still kind of right there in and around the playoffs. I know the results today have kind of dropped us out a little bit, but we're, we're kind of right there in it in a good position. And um, I don't think the fixtures, you know, obviously Stoke to come, they're not doing too bad. But after that, I don't think it's too bad, you know. So yeah. if we can stay kind of where we are in the next, after the next couple of games, then yeah, still still not too bad. But as a one-off game, obviously this weekend, yeah, it's uh, definitely a frustrating one. Yeah, the ne- next two lame games look massive, don't they, Matt? I think, mm, I think so, know, yeah. Obviously after that, as you say, it gets slightly easier, but I think the next two could sort of define certainly where we are at Christmas and perhaps going into the new year as well. Yeah, it's got, it kind of takes a turn, I think, into the new year. So you're kind of thinking, look, I mean, I know a lot of people have said we don't want to be outside the top six. If we drop outside the top six, we're going to struggle to get back in. If you think that, you don't think we're going to make the playoffs. You know, we could, we're still seventh. We're, what, a point outside of the playoffs. We're still in that kind of range. But you do kind of think if we do start start drop, dropping a bit further behind, even if it is just over the next couple of games, it, it does start to get quite tricky. So, yeah, massive couple of games coming up. You're right. 
Yeah, definitely. Uh, and Dean, it was a game where you predicted a Sky Blues win. So I imagine you're probably feeling a little bit disappointed today. Yeah, I think frustration is the key word, isn't it? It just felt like a really sort of frustrating day. And I could tell quite early during that game that we were going to get nothing out of it, especially after that sheaf chance yeah. early on. We sort of air, ma- air mailed it. Um, and once that happened, I mean, that's a free goal for him, by the way. Um, anyone else there, it's probably a goal. But yeah, just really, really frustrating because we had chances in that game, but, you know, we didn't play well enough to win it uh, at the end of the day. And, mm. you know, maybe West Brom's experience told um, a little bit during, you know, big, big parts of the game. And it's and it's interesting, Matt just brought up the, people talk about the playoff picture there. I mean, we've still got 25 games to go in this season. I'd rather be in the playoffs come the last game of the season rather than being on now. Um, so, you know, let's not be too disheartened. We're still way ahead of where we should be. Um, and, you know, there's only three losses in, in 10 games. I know we've got five draws in that, but it's only three losses in that in that period. So in a really, really tough period as well, when, you you know, you've mentioned those games we've played, three of the promote, three of the heavily promoted uh, favoured sides. So, you know, it's, it's not all doom and gloom, but yeah, like, like Matt said as well about the, the midweek. If there was a midweek game, you could probably get your your thoughts away from it. And I think that's the big thing. We've got a week to sort of stew on mm. this, and uh, that's yeah. going to be the telling thing. And we've we've got to come back uh, fighting next week against Huddersfield. Yeah, I mean, every team goes through a, a tough patch, don't they, Dean? Even the teams that get promoted. But it's just about how you bounce back from it, isn't it? Absolutely. I mean, there was huge talk of the week about some some of a podcast. I won't I won't uh, give them the pleasure of mentioning their name, and they were talking about how we've dipped in form, but. There was no, there was no talk about the runaway leaders who they they spoke about Bournemouth a couple of weeks ago. They were one, they got one point less in the in the form table than us over the last six games, and there's no mention of them uh, dropping dropping down. So, you know, it's it's a, it's a very it's a very long season. It's a marathon, not a sprint, as they say. Um, and we've got plenty <laughs> of opportunities coming up. These next two games will be tough, of course, but um, after that, they sort of the sort of the the teams are going to be playing a not sort of in the playoff picture. So, you know, we, there's, there's opportunity there to, to bounce back and, and and make a push again. Yeah, absolutely. Let's look back at what went wrong yesterday then. Um, I'll start with the match stats. Um, <clears throat> 65% possession, uh, 12 shots versus their 10, three shots on target versus their four, 429 passes completed versus their 186, three interceptions versus their 22, 12 tackles, one versus their 20 and 10 aerial duels won versus their 14. Um, quite interesting stats, Dino. Um, we had a lot yeah. of the ball and quite even in terms of chances created. So as you kind of alluded to, it could have gone, a, you know, could have gone differently on another day. It definitely could have. And I think if we'd have scored early, that would be a different game because it, it means West Brom have got a chase and that's not something they, they can do particularly well. I think you, you mentioned the, the passes there, 429 against 186. I mean, that's just astronomical against one of the sides that are heavily favoured to to win this division in West Brom. They should be, you know, getting more more passes under their belt than that. And that just shows the type of team they were. They were just very direct. And it was get the ball into the corners quickly for Grant and Diangana and see what they could do. Um, And, you know, boring me, I I mentioned to you before we kicked off the the podcast tonight, I watched the game back this morning um, for my sins. And I noticed in that second half, probably about 120 passes between the back four or back five. 
And uh, that's not good enough, really. You've got to move the ball forward, especially when we're chasing the game. And uh, mm. you could hear the frustration in the crowd quite a bit that we weren't getting the ball forward quick enough. And we went backwards I, a lot, didn't we, as well? Back to the keeper quite a lot of times. Didn't have a lot of ideas, did we? No, I suppose we've got to give West Brom a little bit of credit for their press, really. It was really, really good for the for the front three. And and uh, I can't remember who, the, who was the guy in the middle of the park with Moet for them. Um, Gardner Hickman. <coughs> yeah. Um, got to give him credit. I thought he played really, really well. He joined that that front three in the press, leaving Alex Moet then to, just to sit back and sort of mop up anything. But I mentioned on, on text message to you that the, map, the the gaps that were appearing between the defence and midfield for West Brom, we should have exploited them more. And maybe we should have used the, utilised the long ball a bit more and then gone for the second phase all the time and try, try to pick up the second balls. And that's just something we didn't didn't utilise enough. Um, and it was very hard to sort of break down West Brom with that with that air, with that press. Mm. Matt, what did you make of the lineup yesterday? Because obviously Hyam started on the bench, which was a little bit of a surprise to some people. And obviously uh, Robinson decided to keep Dabo at centre-half again. Yeah, I think in evaluation, I think Robbins has said, Matt Robbins has said the same himself in terms of kind of probably being, being quite honest and saying it was the wrong call, wrong thing to do. I, I don't know if there's a little bit... A couple of things I'd take away from it. I don't almost, I, I don't see this as being kind of Robin's nature to do, but you almost feel like, is he struggling to leave one of um, Dabo, uh, Kane and, and Matson out? Obviously it was kind of, we went on a, a good run at the start of the season. Dabo and Matson were pretty set in, in started and Kane was, you know, I think fairly comfortable on the bench. And I don't know if there's an element of kind of, Kane's obviously come in and done well for us when he's when he's needed to come in when people have been suspended or injured and I I, I don't know probably not I don't know if I'm overthinking it a little bit but it's just it, it just feels like such an obviously wrong call that's kind of so against Mark Robbins nature you don't see you know every manager gets things wrong you don't see Robbins kind of get something where it's easy everybody after the game will always say you know you should have done this different should have done that different that's very easy a lot of people were saying before the game I think with this one you know that just doesn't doesn't sit right. And I know um, when it comes to high M, there's kind of a few opinions out there and, and obviously he's made a few mistakes and a few issues, but certainly when it comes to kind of having three center halves on the pitch and when we haven't got Jake Clark Salter available to us, um, you know, he's, he's, the, he is the best option for us as uh, alongside Fads and uh, Rose. So I think it was obviously the, the wrong call to go with. And, and obviously it's kind of, it has cost us with that, with that first goal for sure. I think when you, you talk about the Highland situation, he's way he seems to be way more comfortable with the ball at his feet than Dabo in that sort yeah. of cent, central free. Because if we're going to utilise and, and try and use that sort of passing on the back, you've got to have players who can play that way. And Dabo just looks uncomfortable with the ball at his feet. He's kind of like he wants to he wants to attack, and he and he showed that in the first first half. Um, he went on a few runs from that from that position, which he should be doing really. Um, and he just doesn't look comfortable. I don't. It's, a little, it's pro- probably the pressure because obviously when you're there in the middle of the pitch and and obviously that's not what he's used to throughout his career. You've got that pressure of being in the middle. Of the, you know, if you do something wrong, your your fair chance is gonna it's gonna be quite costly, and it almost kind of goes in reverse. Then you're kind of overcompensating or you're overthinking it. Whereas um, I don't know, it, it just looks a little bit like he's he, he's kind of caught with the pressure, as you say. It's it's a completely different position, and if you let the ball go in behind you out wide, look, it's still not a great thing. You don't want play opposition getting in in behind you, but it's not the same as somebody obviously getting in behind and, and having a clear run in on goal. And I don't know if it's a little bit of maybe overthinking, or maybe it's it's just not being used to 
not being used to the position, but yeah, it, it just felt like the wrong call. And I think, whereas we'll all be kind of, you know, Sunday morning with, with the best managers in the world, but I think in all fairness, there were a lot of people who did um, kind of identify that before the game. But in yeah. fairness, again, to Robbins, I think he, um, he was he was honest in coming out and pretty much saying, look, that was my call in it and it was the wrong one. But why does he insist on that? Because all five games that Dabo's played in that position, he's played really badly. And all five games, he's been moved out to, the, to his, his, his normal position in right wing back. And yeah, he's grew, grew into yeah. the game and got so much better. Mm. It's probably quite understand. telling of Haim, isn't it? I mean, there's got, to be, there's got to be a certain point where you say, well, look, this has got to be quite telling of, of Haim if he's, if he's kind of thinking, I'd rather put Dabo in the middle instead of um, Haim, then what does that say about how he's feeling about Haim at the moment, unfortunately? Mm. Yeah, it's strange, isn't it? It just feels like he refuses to drop Dabo. I can't really think, has he dropped him all season? I can't really think if he has. That's what I was thinking. Dated Robin's daughter or something. Well, yeah, that's what we were saying on the WhatsApp group. Or some pictures of Robin's in the shower. (laughs) Something going on, isn't there? Yeah, right with that, I reckon. I kind of might be into embarrassed. Probably, yeah. But he doesn't, yeah, he doesn't seem to to want to drop Dabo. That's what I'm saying. I kind of, it just feels, it just feels like such a, such a clearly wrong decision going in that you just feel like, yeah, does he, does he maybe to a certain extent kind of have that thing of not being able to drop certain people? And um, it, it, maybe there was an element of that. Maybe it was also, there's got to be an element of something of in terms of kind of how much trust maybe he's got in Heim at the minute as well. Yeah. Or is it, or perhaps Heim isn't fully fit for whatever reason. Yeah, I know true. there's been a, a lot of sort of illness going around the training ground, whether that's had an impact. We're not, we don't know, but you know, again, it's just showing how we're a little bit stretched in terms mm. of the squad, aren't we? And obviously we'll, We'll get on to chat a little bit about January uh, later in the pod. Um, Dean, it was a fantastic tribute to John Sillip before kickoff, wasn't it? Yeah, really, really good. Really touching as well. Um, where I was sitting, there was quite a few old boys and you could see a lot of them were, were kind of welling up at at the tribute. And um, <clears throat> one thing I, w- I would want to say is, is how well respected it was by everybody. Yeah. Normally during those sort of tributes you get you know a lot of people sort of talk whilst the announcers you know giving the the obituary or or whatever um he's he's doing and you could hear a pin drop in that stadium yesterday and it was really chilling um and then once once the the crowd erupted in into applause and, and singing John Sillit Skyboro Army it was just a sort of a, yeah. a bone bone tingling moment wasn't it um yeah. and 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 before the game as well um with the with the video and stuff being played and and the new there's a new flag in the corner as well. Yep. Um which which is really nice. A really, really um nice move by the club. I just thought it was a fantastic day for the tribute. Just a pity that we obviously couldn't give the great man um three points on on a, on a, on the send-off. Mm. Um and hopefully we can, you know, install a another statue at the CVS. Be nice to get George and John holding the cup um next to yeah. next to Jimmy, which which would be you know, a fitting tribute for for a great man. Yeah, hopefully that can get sorted out. A small part of me did think we were possibly going to equalise in the 87th minute, which would have been <laughs> very fitting, wouldn't it, Dean? But obviously it would have, yeah. It wasn't instead, we got, instead we got a pitch invader. Um, yeah, well, yeah, exactly. About 12. Which we'll, uh, which we'll also mention as well later on. Um, yeah, um, we'll get into the game then. Um, Matt, what did you make of the uh, exchanges? Uh, it was probably, ever then, maybe the last 10 minutes or so, it's probably our best period of the game really we did this what actually was quite quite surprising about it we did settle too badly I think we looked fairly composed and, and okay on the ball and um you know not not a great deal happened really so it wasn't they just they, they'd seem to be a point in the game not long after the the sheaf chance actually 
which is probably why it sounds out and feels quite um quite pivotal it's just uh it feels kind of not long after that point where they stepped it up in terms of their intensity with with the press and we just we kind of you know don't want to sound so so extreme but we kind of buckled a little bit when when that happened i think the first kind of i don't know 10 15 minutes of the game it wasn't too bad but yeah I, sometimes kind of just talking a bit bit more general obviously we'll kind of we will very much heavily feedback on it on how Coventry are doing of course but sometimes I do still think we have to remember where where we are and where we've come from and who the opposition are and obviously we're talking about a Premier League team here and I, I do overall yesterday I just think it was one of those games where you just kind of look at it you, you kind of think if they if they do turn up with the quality of players the amount of money they've spent on these players you are going to struggle and um I don't know if that got into got into their heads a little bit yesterday because when they did start to step up the intensity they they yeah, unfortunately they started to panic a little bit they looked a little bit rushed and a little bit almost as if they felt second best which is not something we've really seen from them they they kind of um you know they've come into every game really looking like they they have that strong level of belief but it didn't seem to be there certainly for the first half at least so um but yeah initial start not too bad but yeah when they kind of turned it on a bit i think uh, i think you could see we were going to struggle yeah, exactly. And as you say, they turned it on a bit and they did take the lead in the 20th minute through Carl and Grant. Um, Dean, we just got completely carved open here, didn't we, all of a sudden? Yeah, and I think the disappointing thing is that we were in a really, really strong position with the ball just before this happened and yeah. we gave it away cheaply. And um, unfortunately, Sheaf was at fault of giving the ball away. Goes back to their keeper, big boot out, free header on the left, not even challenged. And the ball through is just you know, like cutting a, uh, putting a knife through butter, really. Um, and Dabo doesn't trap the run. It's as simple as that. And he's ball watching. And, you know, it's an easy, easy through on goal for, for Carl and Grant. But the most frustrating thing is that the ball goes through two centre-halves. I don't mind if it goes sort of round them, but it goes directly through them. And they've got to be alert to that a bit more. Both, both Dabo and Fads, to be honest. Yeah. But you can see how frustrated... Fads was after the goal goes in, shouting at Dabo straight off the bat. And I think Faggerty knew it was his fault um, because they had a, they had another opportunity about 60 seconds later and Dabo was was hot on his heels at, at that point. So he wasn't going to make the same mistake again. But very, very disappointing. One of the most disappointing goals of the season that we've conceded, yeah. I, I feel, because we had opportunities to, to cut it out twice. Yeah. It was very disappointing to, to concede. Um, we did nearly get the equaliser, however. Um, a, a good ball across from Kane. We've obviously talked a lot about his delivery. Um, deflected onto the post from a defender, Matt. Ne- nearly went in, didn't it? Yeah, it would have been uh, it would have been a pivotal point in the game if we could have got could have got back into it at that point. I think something that we struggled with throughout the game yesterday, which we've actually done really well this season, is kind of attacking at pace. Um, you know, kind of breaking it teams in. Sometimes you think those intricate passes at pace, you, you're going to struggle at some point. Somebody's going to put a foot wrong. It, you know, it, became, it becomes quite tricky. And um, we've done it well this season, but I think we struggled throughout the game yesterday, particularly went on to do it after this, because obviously this is still relatively early in the game. But this is a move where it kind of uh, was the opposite. You know, we played out of uh, defence, got it to, to garden out wide, you know, fairly early ball into Giocares in the middle, touch off to... Uh, he takes a touch and then is out to Kane and he just kind of the speed at which they moved it was something we didn't really replicate for the rest of the game but we've got it in that good position it's a tricky one for Kane I think because it's almost in that position where it's a fantastic position he's obviously 
to an extent in on goal, but he's also out wide. So it's a little bit of a, you're, you're 50, 50. Do you shoot? Do you, do you try and pick somebody out? You've got to make it tally in terms of kind of getting something on target. So if you try and pick somebody out and they, they're able to cut out, then it feels like a waste, but also it's tricky to, to kind of find the back of the net from that position. Cause I know that obviously the goals, um, well, the space that you've got in the goal to, to try and find the net is going to be difficult and you've got a keeper there. So I, th- I think in the end, he didn't either. And it was kind of the right decision. He just kind of thought, do you know what? I'm just going to absolutely leather this one into a dangerous <laughs> position and see what happens of it. And I genuinely think it was probably the right thing to do. Um, just kind of put it in there and see see what happens. And it, it almost paid off. It's almost one of those, you know, yesterday it would have been, would have been fitting we'd have got in that position tried to square it for somebody and they'd have just walked away with it or cleared it or it had tried a shot and absolutely ballooned it so i think just sometimes in that position when you're a bit wide out just put it in a dangerous area and it's yeah. you know it throws it up in the air see what happens and unfortunately probably just shows it wasn't our day because it's uh it's just kind of off the off the bar and uh out to safety but yeah would have been huge if we could have got the goal there for sure yeah literally about to say those those are the kind of opportunities you know when that doesn't go in that's when you know it's not our day. Thinking, yeah. Those those happen all the time. And um, yeah, heavily frustrating. One thing I want to pick up with Kane, because um, I thought this was quite interesting. Just looking at his heat maps yesterday, he doesn't go past the halfway line a lot. Mm. Yeah. Um, and I don't think we utilise the, the wing backs as much as we, we normally do yesterday. Um, and that's that's one way to get round the, the pressing. That's why you play wing backs, to get round the the press and I don't think we played those sort of balls in behind the the press to to the wing backs enough. I think interesting that's one to see area. That stat, how that stat lines up for him in, in other games because it's um I think it would have been tricky yesterday to be honest with you because we were as soon as as soon as they were or we were getting the ball in any position they were on us and it was such high intensity that I think probably if you were watching that as a defender, you're you are thinking, look, it just feels like it's going into midfield. They're getting a foot in. We're we're making a bad touch, and then every second ball, as we said, they were picking up on. It. And you're thinking, I don't know, is it was it a little bit different yesterday? Maybe he's reflected the, the, the fact that we weren't winning second balls. They were nicking in and, and getting the ball off us because they they were putting that pressure on us, and maybe it's held him back a little bit. Um, because I think you're right. Like they they obviously were so intense on the press. It's going to it's going to leave gaps. It's got to leave gaps somewhere on the pitch. And there were gaps in right behind the back. If we could have played with that kind of zippy uh, intensity when we were coming forward. And we saw that with the Kane chance actually, but um, they, they obviously gambled in terms of saying, well, we're going to kind of back ourselves to put enough pressure on you to, to not be able to do that. And I don't know, maybe that's affected what he's done yesterday. I don't know if that is indicative of him uh, in general or, or more actually a, a reflection of the game yesterday. Well, one thing I, said, I mentioned last week is that I, West Brom, West Brom's wing backs don't go forward as much mm. as other teams. But yesterday yeah. they were well on top of our midfield. Maybe Ishmael had listened to the podcast last week and thought, well, <laughs> in that case, I'm going to do something different. But uh, I'm just I'm just looking now at, at their their heat maps and yeah, they're they're well ahead of 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 the halfway line um, in sort of an, an aggregate position. So that goes to show how intense their their press was from sort of a, a front seven, shall we say. Probably why we couldn't break it down. Mm. Sounds like you've had a lot of time on your hands today, Dean, with the old heat maps, watching the just, game. I'm, you know, it's just, I'm just heavily frustrated, Tom, if I'm honest, because <laughs> football football is a simple game. Football is a very, very simple game, and we, we let an opportunity go yesterday. 
And on the 40th minute, Hamer went down injured. Um, seems a bit of an ongoing concern here, Dean. Um, we're hearing now that he's going to be having a scan, so obviously a little bit concerning. Yeah, it is because um, for the past couple of games, he's been he's been a really bright spark against Birmingham. He was he was pretty good. And who did we play the other week on the Saturday? No, not Bournemouth. Sheffield United. Sheffield United was it? Maybe. Yeah, I can't I can't remember. But he played really played really well. But this is yeah, it is concerning. Um, we spoke about it last week. He's a big part of this team. He sort of makes us tick. And the main concern for me, Tom, is the whole situation around this. Now, if you've got any doubts that he shouldn't be in the squad, which Robin said he did, then don't play him. You know, we've got players to cover in the middle of the park. Josh Eccles was back in the fold last week. Uh, Liam Kelly was on the bench. Um, I know Shipley hasn't been in the fold, but he can play in that position if we need him. Allen's even there too. So there's, there's for one of the positions, that, that at least we've got cover there. But also, on the other hand, Robin's kind of alluded that Hamer conned him into thinking he was, he was okay. Then for me, that's another issue, totally separate issue that sort of there's a lack of professionalism from Gus there. And that really has affected the team yesterday because, you know, it leaves us a sub short because, you know, we're carrying a man effectively if he's injured. Um, and we were chasing the game. We could have done with that extra sub. Who was to say that, you know, bringing Jody Jones into the fold, running at them, could have, it could have been a different story second half, but we couldn't make that change. Um, so his hands were tied. So, yeah, I'm, I'm a little bit disappointed in this whole situation. Uh, it could have been avoided. And, you know, we've got, Lots of big weak gaps here that, you know, we're only playing one game in two weeks, effectively. There's opportunity for for Hamer to, to to get back to full fitness. But, you know, that chance is scuppered now, especially if he's having a scan. Yeah, fingers crossed there's nothing too, too long. Well, I mean, time. what's your thoughts on that? Because I, if he's injured and he says to Robbins, I'm fine, then that's, that's a red flag for me. Well, yeah, I mean, in my view, it shouldn't be up to him, really. I mean, you know, it shouldn't be the player deciding if they're fit or not, should it? No, I suppose that's why we've got fitness coaches and stuff exactly. to do tests. And, and we know that the backroom staff has improved massively now we're in the championship. You'd hope that the infrastructure is there for people to be deciding on that and not the player himself. Because obviously players want to play football and they're always going to, I guess, lean towards being fit if they're not, even if they're not. Um, so I don't, in my view, probably not the decision he should have been making, really. But it works both ways, right? He wants to, you know have the best situation for the team. And if he, yeah. him not being fully fit is the best situation for the team, then he should hold his hand up and say that. Yeah. Yeah. No, it is, it is a strange one. Um, what did you make of it, Matt? I it, I agree with, with both sides, not to kind of sound like I'm sitting on the fence, because I think in terms of... How, kind of, how are the splinters? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> They're pretty bad, to be fair. How <laughs> awful even saying it. It's I'm so, not picking them out, mate. Don't come out to mine. <laughs> <laughs> so in the middle, isn't it? No, it's just kind of, I think kind of, yeah, you, you do have people who are supposed to, to kind of tell you what's, uh, what should and shouldn't be happening with, with players. And we're talking about the championship, one of the biggest leagues in, in Europe, really. Um, you'd think we're kind of at a stage where there should be other people in, in the, uh, in the club who can kind of make that decision. But realistically, there is always going to be, I guess, a point where you are saying to a player, look, how do you feel? How do, how do you feel with your body? Especially if it's not a definitive injury, you know, and that doesn't need to be a kind of broken bone or anything like that, but it might be some kind of um, sprain or I, I don't know, whatever it might be. So certain things that aren't obviously, you know, so visibly obvious. 
Um, and it's probably been picked up by uh, physios and fitness coaches of, look, there's an injury there, but we don't know. You can't say, you, you always hear it, you know, player is, he's probably 60% there, he's 70%, uh, 80%, you know, they probably put some level of percentage on it. It almost comes down to the player, I think, in those kind of situations to what level he thinks he can, he's actually good to go in. Um, so I do, I agree. I think there's a little bit, um, maybe moving off fence a little bit, I do kind of put a little bit on on Hamer here. I do think you kind of got to be a little bit more, um, I, I don't know, do what's right for the team in terms of being honest and upfront and saying, look, I, I'm probably not ready to go. And um, I, and that's part of being a professional. It's maybe not kind of a so totally conscious thing. He's not kind of going out there and thinking, screw the team, I'm going to do what's best for, for getting me out of the pitch and being able to play. He probably thinks, look, I'm, I feel not too bad and I'm good to go. So it's you know not necessarily like he's got out there to sabotage the team, but I think professionalism, when you're talking about this level of football, it's almost being able to kind of honestly look at look at how you are and saying, look, do I really think that me at whatever percent I might be here is, is going to be better than a Jamie Allen or, or somebody else playing off, um, off for a week or something? And plus almost thinking long-term as well. Look, if you play this game, are you going to be um, scrubbing yourself for the next four, five, six weeks or... Um, are you better just sitting out for a week and kind of getting yourself back to, to 100% ready to go? So, yeah, moving off the fence a little bit, I probably do put a little bit more on to, to Hamer when it is something that's not maybe as as obvious a, a situation mm-hmm. for the for the physios. The cynic yeah. in me says there's a certain window coming up in January and he wants to be in a, in a window mm. for that. But I suppose yeah. we'll talk about that later on. Yeah, we'll chat about it later on. But, yeah, I don't know if being injured is going to help his... No, much, the, I mean, that's... Yeah. Like, <laughs> Probably does the absolute opposite, right? Yeah, it might do us a favour, possibly, but who knows? Um, yeah, and then we conceded again a really, really poor time on the 43rd minute. A uh, bit of a mess at the back again. Obviously, it was a handball once we watched it back, but um, don't know what your thoughts are, Matt, but I feel like we couldn't complain massively because I don't think anyone really saw the handball in real time. Um, yeah. What did you make of it? Yeah, I'm the same. No, no real complaints there, to be honest with you. VAR is very controversial and it seems like most of the, the fans in this country don't want it. So if you don't want it, this is what's going to happen. And you can't, there's no fault really on the officials or the ref in particular on this one. It's something that, you know, we see probably about, I don't know, 10 minutes afterwards on a replay where you can kind of see it slowed down from the 14th different camera angle, which lets us know, actually, yeah, it does just very briefly graze, oh, not graze, it, it, it does hit his hand. It's definitely a handball, it shouldn't stand, but you can't expect the referees to, to see everything in certain situations like this. His body's basically covered um, with like two defenders behind him as well. So it's it's just impossible. There's nothing you can really say. As disappointing as it is and as frustrating maybe as knowing that it's a goal that, that shouldn't stand, there's definitely no fault on, from my perspective on, on the referees for that one. Yeah. It's the two-on-one, isn't it, from the throw-in? That's the most criminal part. Yeah. You don't leave two on one. I was going to say, really disappointing goal to concede though, wasn't it? Yeah. At that time, obviously, it kind of completely changes the mindset when you go in. It changes the mindset for for West Brom going in as well because I know they're a a great team, but you kind of, they haven't been on the best form, obviously, as we all know, and you're going in one nil. There's still that, that danger. There's still that vulnerability of what can happen in a moment can kind of completely change the game and, um, if we could have, if we could have kept it one 0 and you're thinking, you know, especially with what we've done this season and some of the comebacks we've we've, we've put in, you're thinking we're we're kind of well in the game. But when it goes to two 0 they can completely change uh, the way they play. And I think that that did happen in the second half. They, uh, maybe not completely, but they definitely made changes to kind of shut up shop a little bit and kind of protect that two 0 lead, which you should yeah. do when you're two 0 
up away from home. So uh, it, it's massive, absolutely massive. But yeah. again, nothing on nothing on the officials really. It's just one of those. If you're not gonna if you're not gonna have VAR available or VAR available, then it's gonna happen. Yeah, exactly. I saw quite a few fans calling for VAR in the championship on on different social media channels today. No, and we don't want that, surely. I just I just think it really winds me up because I'd rather be able to celebrate a goal properly than and and, and have the odd decision against us. I just think I'm still a believer that it evens out by the end of the season or you know over over seasons and. It, it, I just think it would spoil it so much if we had VAR. Oh, hundred yeah. percent. Yeah, I, I, I wouldn't have it. I think kind of all you want to see from football fans is kind of stand by what you're saying. Though it's almost you kind of have Premier League fans for God knows how many years complaining about the fact of every decision that goes against them because in the seventieth minute the referee didn't see something that they saw on you know twenty five different camera angles, but kind of slowed down to five hundred the speed of, of a referee is going to see. And it's like you have to expect this is. Is going to happen, so you can't have it both ways. You either, if you're going to moan about it, and they bring something in like VAR to try and assist them, then um, then happy days. But if you're kind of going to say, look, we don't want it, then you have to kind of almost have that thing in you which says, yeah, I agree. I think over season it kind of evens itself out. And I think you know, but yeah, yeah, absolutely. Um, Mark Roberts did make a change at half time, bringing on Dom Hyam for Ian Matson. Um, Dean, do you feel like this is how we should have started the game? Potentially, yes, if he wants to get Dabo in the side, um, put him at left back because Todd Kane is pretty undroppable at the moment for me. I think he's playing really, really well. He'd never, he's never going to give you that sort of attacking prowess Dabo does on the right, but he's solid um, and his, you know, his delivery's been, has been excellent since he's been at the club. So he deserves that sort of right wing back spot at the moment. But yeah, I thought Matson was was poor yesterday. He got run ragged by Dean Garner on the on the uh, on the right hand side. And when him, Dean Garner and Furlong went sort of two on one on him, he, he was in no man's land for, for the majority. So I think he was out of his depth a little bit yesterday in Matson. So that was the right call to make. And to be fair, I know we conceded two goals, but I thought the three lads at the back yesterday, and especially in that second half, were were absolutely solid. I mean, Hoyle made an absolute brilliant header, goal-saving header in the second half. Um, when he was, a, I think it was, was it, uh, who came on for them? In the second half, oh, Hugo wasn't it? Jordy Hugo. Um, it was a free header at the back post for him, and and Hyam made an absolute crucial header. Um, second half, so that's what Dom Hyam gives you: a uh, good positional play, defensive nous, um, and he can bring the ball out as well, which is something that we don't talk about often enough with with Dom Hyam. I thought he brought the ball out pretty well yesterday. He's comfortable in possession as well. So, yeah, we looked more of a threat second half because we were more solid at the back. If, if that kind of makes sense. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Um, what did you make of our response in the second half, Matt? Yeah, I mean, not to put a, a downer on maybe something that some will take a little bit of positive from, but I think it's largely on the basis of changes that West Brom make in the, at half-time. I, I just think, like I mentioned earlier, you kind of go in 2-0 up away from home, especially you know, they, are, they are a big side, but it, they're not on the best of form. We've got, you know, what was it, the equal best home record in the division now. Um, for them, it was an important game for them to win, definitely, because that gap is is obviously been there for a while now, and they've not really been making any inroads into it. So, um, for me, they come out second half and they do make a bit of a, a shift in terms of their approach when it comes to the press. They still had, you know, they were still pressing and they were still putting the pressure on. Them. Wasn't as intense. It's, it's was it? not as intense by by any stretch of the imagination. I think they just kind of settled in a bit more, and the focus wasn't 
push them into making or push us into making mistakes and try and get a goal. It was more kind of keep the pressure on because it's been working, but also make sure we're rigid, make sure we're settled in kind of uh, our defensive setup and um, and not give anything easy away. Because like I said, in that first half where we had those occasional moments where we could get in behind, we saw that there were going to be gaps if you kind of play that intense level of press, then you are going to leave gaps if people if teams are kind of adept enough to to play it around fast enough to get in behind you. But uh, second half, they just didn't make that risk really. So yeah, we, we definitely had more of the, more of the ball probably um, looked a little bit more threatening, but if I'm being honest with you, I think that's probably down to what they did more at halftime than, than what we did. I obviously it was the right move in terms of what we did at the back as well. And we definitely looked more settled from, from that perspective, but mm. um, yeah, overall, unfortunately it's, uh, it's probably more down to, to what, what decisions they made at halftime. I think, yeah, you just sort of got the feeling really it was going to be a struggle to to get back into the game. And we did create a few chances, Dean, but nothing clear cut really. No, it was a little bit toothless in attack yesterday. I think Matty Godden was pretty much non-existent yeah. uh, in this match. Probably his worst game in a, in a City shirt, to be honest. Um, so yeah, that didn't help. Uh, the chances we created, I mean, O'Hare has a really good opportunity to put the ball in the box for, uh, for, for Godden and he, he plays it well over his head. That was probably the most clear-cut opportunity we had. No, Sheaf had a, a shot off target, which was always going away from goal. And, and Todd Kane had a sort of a scrambled half volley at the back post where he wasn't expecting it to come to him. So, yeah, just all a bit bit toothless, just lacking that little bit of cutting edge, which is something we've said quite a bit this season. Um, and, and for once, when chances arose, we, we haven't taken them. And I think that's been a, a key thing over the last maybe five or six games where where we've created a, a sort of guilt-edge chances and we haven't taken them. Whereas in the first sort of 10 to 12 games, we took those opportunities and we were win- winning matches uh, by doing so. So, yeah, just all a bit, bit just lacking that sort of mm. cutting edge yesterday. One thing I, w- I would say is, you know, Gokarez, for all his, you know, prowess with running with the ball, again, I thought he was was, was non-existent yesterday mm. at times. Yeah. Um just failing to deliver the right pass and and keeping hold of the ball when other players are in much better positions. That's that's the most frustrating. It got got a bit ball greedy over the last couple of weeks. I feel um, yeah. there was one opportunity I saw yesterday towards the end. Walker was on the pitch, and uh, you know people's issues with Walker, but Walker had made an absolutely fantastic run across the defender, and he was free. The defender was in no man's land, and Grakres all he has to do is roll the ball into him. And Walker's got a free opportunity inside the box. And instead, he tries to shoot through free players. And there's just no need for it. Just pass it. The simple option is to pass it. I think it's around the 90th minute if you want to look back at the game. And those are the opportunities where you have to make the right decision. And the decision-making has been lacking. Not just Garcarez. You know, Callum O'Hare is, is one of those who doesn't make the right decision at times. That's frustrating. But it was across the pitch yesterday. Even Liam Kelly was misplacing passes and making the wrong decisions. So when that happens to Liam Kelly, you just know it's not going to be your day because normally it's a nine out of 10 performance from the skipper, but mm. even he was poor yesterday. So yeah, yeah. it was just a bad day at the office, Tom, to be honest. Yeah, yeah, it really was. Um, we did manage to get a goal back, header from Fads. Um, his third goal of the season, Matt. Yeah, well taken header as well. You kind of he's he's not far out, is he? he's kind of five six yards out. So you're thinking he should score it, but it's 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 a good leap. Stays up in the air, I think, for a while and, and powers at home. So it's good to have that set. You look at kind of 
the teams that will be up there and thereabouts at the end of the season, that they, they generally are up there and thereabouts when it comes to the, the goals from set pieces side of things as well. And it's good to have some level of threat. I think kind of we aren't, you know, we aren't stacked with um, a load of six foot three, you know, giants or anything in this team. So when you've got a defender who can kind of come up in those situations and, and he starts to, to kind of show what he can do, um, as you mentioned, he's got three now this season and it, it's good to have that threat and um, be, it'd be good if, if some others maybe could join in on that, that front as well because it does kind of seem like with, uh, this season he is pretty much the only threat when it when it comes to that side of things. So, uh, so yeah, another another good header from him and obviously he's, he has really stepped up, I think, this season in terms of, you know, obviously there were a lot of mistakes last campaign and people were uh, kind of maybe saying maybe he's a bit too old to kind of come back in at this level but I think overall he's, he's definitely proved uh, a lot of people wrong so far. Yeah, yeah, and no, he had a good day yesterday. A set piece goal, um, yay! <laughs> <laughs> we did have a bit of a go at them, but just ran out of time, really, Dean. It wasn't going to be, you know, it wasn't going to be one of those late dramatic equalizers, was it? Um, disappointing defeat, as you've said. Yeah, yeah, really disappointing. And the one thing that really that made me even more frustrated is I'd be walking out the ground and loads of people are having a go. And I'm thinking, hold on, lads, we're still in the playoff position where we were at the time. We're still in the playoffs, you know. We had a superb season. We've hit 33 points or whatever it is already. It took us to like February to get that last year. You know, just enjoy it, embrace it. You know, it's just well, it's just the expectation thing, is that I mean, if you, it's just how the season happens. If if we'd started poorly and lost like the first three or something, and then you know we'd won the last three and we were now seventh from mid table or from you know bottom half, everyone would be really excited. Now we're yeah. getting very excited. It's just you know, it's just where your sort of bad patch falls, and you know, when you're going dropping down the table, everyone starts to panic a little bit, don't they? Yeah, they do, but there is really, really no reason to panic. You know, as long as we're outside the relegation places, this is a positive season. Um, and I know, obviously, we've reached these dizzy heights early on and they may not last, but let's just enjoy and embrace it for the time being. You know, we went up against yesterday a team who's still receiving huge amounts of money from the Premier League. They will be for the next two or three years if they don't get out the the division. You know, look at look at some of their players. I mean, Dean Garner, Robinson and um, Grant, you know, they're probably worth around... 35, 40 million. That's that's way more than our squad. You know, they're probably they're paying Jordy Hugo's wages this year, and he's probably on about 30 or 40 grand. Again, that's probably about 10 players worth of our our wages. So they are in a, a bit of a different league. And it, maybe it was a little bit of a reality check coming up against a, a decent side and not being able to, you know, create against them. But just enjoy it while we're here. You know, we've it's, we're always going to get difficult patches. You mentioned it earlier. Every team goes through a difficult stage. We're we're going through ours now, but you know there there is light at the end of the tunnel. Yeah, uh, Matt, who was your man of the match yesterday? I probably would give it to Matt Padzine, To be honest with you, I think the goal kind of nudges it. I don't think anybody's going to going to feel like yesterday was their their best game in the city shirt by, by any stretch of the imagination. So there weren't really many standout performances. I think maybe even. The goal in itself is is good enough to to kind of tick him over the edge. So yeah, I'd, uh, I'd give it to Fads. Do you know? Yeah, I'm a Fadzine. Absolutely fantastic. So comfortable in the ball. You know who for who would have thought we'd been saying that this time last year? <laughs> um, unbelievable. He's like three. I think it was three Cruyff turns yesterday. Yeah. Um, sending a couple he of players for some he? for some uh, early early pies. That's probably why Dave couldn't get one yesterday. <laughs> um, but yeah, it's absolutely superb. I mean. The, the journey that that guy's been on over the past two seasons is absolutely remarkable. 
And it's kind of like he needed this full season in the championship to to realise that he can play this division. And, it, and it, as you know, he's, he's not the quickest, but it just shows you what experience can do for you in this league. Absolutely fantastic. And if, you, if he was 10 years younger, you, we'd probably be really worried about losing him in yes. the January window rather yeah. than, than Hamer or, or O'Hare or, or Jokeres, for, for example. But yeah, he was superb and he has been superb all season. Player of the season for me so far, yeah. but also yesterday's man of the match. Yeah. Were you tempted to give it to ADV Vestin? <laughs> I'll tell you what, some clothesline that, wasn't it? I think I'll it's the what, best, best rugby the CBS has seen all season, isn't it? We, I'll tell you what, if, uh, if Vince McMahon is looking for his next uh, pro wrestler, yeah, you, you look at just look at Vivash, get him on the get him on the blow. I want to see him on Monday Night Raw. Absolutely <laughs> fantastic. And I, I saw a video today. We tweeted out a video on the on the Skybiz Extra Twitter page. Uh, so make sure you're following if you're not following the Skybiz Extra Twitter page at Skybiz Extra. <laughs> Robbins gives a little pat on the back. Yeah, oh, I was I absolutely that. creasing. So good. Brilliant. But he'll get in trouble for that Vivash for getting involved. Yeah, he will, won't he? I was thinking, is, I was thinking that actually. What will happen like, when we say true? What will what, what, what that actually mean? Will he get a ban? Like, will he not be? Will he, a, for, for the fans' safety, will he be on in the stands or something? Like the FA will probably do something about it. It'll probably be one of those really petty, like you know, FA things. FA won't five it, where, grand fines, where pay, no pay for one, the Christmas Christmas meal yeah, for the FA. Yeah. But one of those things where no one cares apart mm. from some petty person at the FA who wants to hand out a fine or whatever a ban, but. But yeah, but also for the for the kid who ran on the pitch, like oh, what I just I just can't get doing? my head around it. I can't, honestly just, cannot get my head around it. You should just to stick to knocking people out in the stands, eh, Tom? That's what you should. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> that's exactly. the best way about it. But here's that's weird, a lifetime ban for him now. Yeah, maybe that's what he wanted. But potentially, maybe he just absolutely hates watching us. Maybe he knows what's what's coming. You know, free yeah. relegations on the trot or something like that. <laughs> You're listening to Sky Blues Extra. We'll now move on and talk about next weekend's away trip to Huddersfield. Um, Dean, this has all of a sudden become a massive game, hasn't it? Yeah, it has now after you know Stoke have, have, have won today and uh, to, to sort of knock us out of those player positions. Yeah, I mean, all games are big in this division, but, you know, they're, they're a fellow playoff chasing team. I didn't think I'd say that at this point of the season. I thought Huddersfield would be one of those teams really battling relegation, but they've, they've done a, a remarkable job to, to be where they are. Um, it's always a tough, tough ask going going to Huddersfield uh, for any team in this league. But you know we've 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 got a chance now to 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 put things right, basically from from last week, and we've got to go there, assert ourselves. And I think if we do that, our quality will shine in this match, and hopefully, will be a, a positive positive result. Yeah, Huddersfield, as you say, have had a very decent season. Um, what can we expect from them, Matt? Yeah, it's been uh, it has been surprising. I think I'd, I'd echo what Dino says there. It's it's been a bit of a surprise for myself, given what they did last season, where they were um, last campaign. Didn't really see them uh, making this jump this season. But having said that, they aren't on the best of runs themselves at the moment. They've probably it's felt like they've been in that uh, one of those spots, just kind of seventh or eighth, just outside the playoffs for most of the season. But they have dropped down to the eleventh in the table over the last couple of games and without a win in the last three, one win in the last five. So they are uh, obviously starting to, to feel the pressure themselves a little bit. They drew at the weekend away at Barnsley, who 
as we all know, aren't uh, replicating their form from last season. So probably not the best result from, from their perspective. Still just five points outside of the top six. So as we know, it's very congested um, in the top half of the table. So it wouldn't be too crazy to see them jump back up um, if they were to go on a little bit of a run. But uh, yeah, 29 points so far. And most of those, uh, or 19 of those points have, have come at home. So they've, they've definitely been better at the John Smiths then on their travels um 24 goals for 24 goals conceded so no real standout in terms of saying is it more a case of kind of showing up shop against them or are we kind of um trying to expose a, a weak defense they kind of seem quite balanced on that front and a big thing with them was i know we try and look at kind of key players for uh for the opposition when we come into the the next fixture it is a bit of bit of a difficult one to pick out with them to be honest with you they haven't got anybody kind of shining standing out at the moment in terms of certainly from the goal scoring perspective, their leading goal scorer for the season is Danny Ward with, with just four goals. So um, nobody really standing out. And it's actually probably been a bit of a um, surprise in terms of the players who probably have stood out. They've got some big names still there. Obviously, it wasn't too long ago that they would have been a Premier League team. So they've got the likes of uh, Fraser Campbell in the side there. But you look at his stats, not not got a goal this season. I think it's just 10 in, in 90 games for him over the last kind of three or four seasons as well. So not really much to, to write home about from him or any of the other kind of bigger names that they still have at the club. They obviously bought Jordan Rhodes in um, from Sheffield Wednesday after he would have been relegated down a division, but he's still to score this season as well. So some of the bigger kind of plus points for them this season have been some of the younger players and a player who's looked really good was a standout player at the weekend and, and got the goal for them was Lewis O'Brien in the centre of midfield. And I think he's somebody we're going to, it's going to be important to win that battle, especially if we are missing Hamer, it's going to be um, kind of a key focus area for us. So he's, he's one to keep an eye on as well as a young lad called Daniel Sinani, who's uh, Luxembourgian, if that's the right way of saying it, uh, international, 24 years of age. And he's got a few goals to his name this season as well out of midfield. So few kind of bright sparks uh, out of their younger players in, in the midfield area, but a few big names we'll probably see tomorrow who, up to tomorrow, next week, who we're, we're thinking. That was a quick turnaround, I guess. Tomorrow, yeah. Jesus. But wishful thinking there. <laughs> <laughs> we had that midweek game, but no, it's one of those things where we'll probably see a few names that we recognise in the Huddersfield team and we might kind of look at and think he's one to watch. The likes of Fraser Campbell and, as I say, um, kind of other former Premier League players, but actually it's maybe some of those younger uh, midfielders that we we need to keep up keep our eye on. Mm, no top notch uh, preview as usual, Matt. Um, where do you expect this game to be won or lost, Dean? I think it up up against their defence. I think Matt's Matt's made some really really good comments there. They are sort of a, a strong defensive unit, and they've got a guy on loan from Chelsea, Levi Colwell, who for me has been one of the standout players in this division. He's only eighteen as well, um, so. He's a really, really strong defensive defensive player. So if if Vic is playing, he's going to have a really, really tough task. Um, it's about how we can assert ourselves onto their defensive line. If we can start getting some intricate passes, I don't think they'll be able to deal with that. We need to play at speed. We need energy, and that's that's the key to success in this match for me. And it'll be interesting to see sort of how we set up for this. Um, obviously, our waveform hasn't been great this season, Matt. Um, we've Tended recently to play with the one up front. Um, how do you think we'll approach this one? Being really honest, I've been thinking about this since yesterday and, and probably more than any other game so far this season, it's it's actually quite a struggle to see how we we might go with this one. You can see a few different um, options here. I know, as you say, kind of the, the, the prototype option over recent weeks has been uh, away from home, maybe go with one striker 
Um, but I wouldn't be shocked if we went for two in this game. I think we need to kickstart things up front a little bit um, and, and try and obviously get some some people into a bit more form. So I, I actually think we might go with two strikers, but again, I wouldn't be surprised if we went with one. Obviously, maybe a little bit of uncertainty around Hamer. So what are we going to do in the middle of the park? And as mentioned, they've got a couple of good young players in, in midfield as well. So that's quite a key position. And I don't know if, um, if we'll try and reflect that by packing the midfield a bit more as we did um, you know, not maybe relating them in terms of player quality to Sheffield United, but we did it against Sheffield United and um, and it worked well. And, and that was obviously with the one striker. So I kind of go back and forth on it. I'm kind of coming out with a with a bit of a blank in terms of, of a definitive option. But mm. I, if, I, if I was to really lean a certain way, I think he might go for two up front because the big thing that stands out for me and something that really stood, up, stood out for me in doing my previews over the last season and a half is in terms of we have pulled out a reaction when we've needed it. In those games where you kind of think, you know, we are starting to maybe have a little bit of a run here or we need to pull something out or obviously last season, it was probably a bit more around the time of the Rotherham game and, you know, needing to pick up points to, to fight off relegation. We've, we've always come good where we've needed to, to have a bit of a reaction. So I think that probably leads into going with two strikers and, and obviously trying to, to put it on them a bit. So I think obviously the back's pretty set. I think you're going to be going with three defenders and and I think we know who they're probably probably going to be, but... Um, yeah, I think when it comes to the midfield, I don't think we will pack it out. I think we'll go with with a similar um, setup to yesterday, and, and then stick with the two strikers personally. But yeah, it's a tricky one. I think for 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 next week, next weekend's game. I think Matt's absolutely hit the nail on the head there. It's so tricky to go up against a really flat team, like they're playing really flat yeah. lines, and you can either go one way of playing two strikers up top and try and pick up the second balls if we can, or we pack out the midfield and try playing around them. And for me, that's how we have to sort of approach this game. Now, knowing Robbins, he'll probably play one up front, seven at the back and do something really crazy. <laughs> but um, we, I think we have to pick, pick, you know, pack out the midfield. And controversial as it, as it might be, I would drop O'Hare for this game. I just don't think he's in that great form. Um, at the moment, who would your midfield be if we if we if we worked on a basis of? Hamer not playing, who would you who would you go with? Well, I'd go with Sheaf and Kelly in the middle yeah. there. And then yeah. I'd play Allen. Um yeah. and I'd probably play Jones as well. Mm. Give him a go. You know, what what is there to lose at this point now? May as well give him chuck him in for an away game and let's see what happens. Um, yeah, a friend, friend was talking about that yesterday. At what point do we kind of give him that try? Because it feel, it almost does feel a bit frustrating in terms of the fact that he's been with us for so long and um, obviously he's been limited in chances because of there hasn't been the option there because he's been injured and now it feels like he's limited just because we're we're not making that choice. And I, I don't think it's a bad shout, to be honest with you. I think it would be would be worth a go and let's see what he can do. Yeah, you know, we just don't know, do we? Of, that thing of also coming in and needing to make a name for yourself, you know, he's probably got to realise if obviously certain people don't go in January, he's got to, he's got to go out and do something. He's got to go and force his way into the team as it stands at the minute. So that's not a bad... Um, mindset to have a player come in and do so. Yeah, I, I like you thinking. Mm. I think I wouldn't. I wouldn't it would do, it. do his confidence some good as well, wouldn't it? To to have some game time. Because I think one of his criticisms is probably because of his injuries, he's perhaps looked. You know, he's ducked out the odd tackle and perhaps not looked as confident as he did. Obviously, when he was playing really well for us. So I think just to start a game and get a full ninety minutes or seventy minutes under his belt would probably do his confidence a lot of good as well, Matt. Yeah, definitely. I, it kind of, like I say, it's, it's so frustrating, obviously more more so for him than anybody in terms of kind of what opportunities he's had. And obviously when he went down with the injury, he was he was looking really good. It was at a different level. We all know that. But 
he um, he's got the kind of skills you think would be relatable or transferable to, to kind of go up the leagues and still have an impact. So, um, yeah, having him come in with with that kind of point to prove, and he does he has talked a lot about the fact of obviously it's been quite frustrating for him and the fact of obviously it has got to him maybe some of the comments that he's received as well. And um, you think well that's got to lead to to kind of a perfect storm of him him going in and, and kind of you know working his ass off to try and try mm. and force his way into the team. So. What's what's the worst that can happen? Give him that chance, and, um, and, and you know he's he's going to be limited in those chances. He has to know that. So I'd be yeah, I'd be keen to to kind of see what what would come of it. And yeah. also, on the other hand, if you put O'Hare on the bench, he's going to be angry at being dropped. So are you going to get a better performance of him coming on off the bench? You know, he might he might have a point to prove himself at that point. Yeah. So yeah, the mentality think- the mentality side of things is is really crucial for for this as well. Do I do feel like I mean? One of the things about O'Hare is nobody can question his effort. I mean, his effort is no, unbelievable week not. in, week out. And I don't think anybody would ever say anything about his his mindset from that perspective. But I do agree in terms of his mindset, maybe of of kind of having that situation where, do you know what? Yeah, maybe I did get a little bit comfortable in feeling like I'm I'm an almost kind of indroppable player and it, it can maybe, you know, trigger something a bit different. So uh yeah, be interested to see see how it works for him from it from his perspective as well. I'll grab some predictions from you both. Uh, Dean? I'm going to go 1-1, Tom. Fair. Which, which wouldn't be the worst No, result, no, it wouldn't but... be the worst result. It, it kind of, I know it's not another, it's not a win, of course not, but it kind of stops people's mindsets going off it a little bit. Does that make sense? Yeah. You know, people getting like frustrated and not, not winning, but if you draw, draw away from home, that's never, ever a bad result. No, no. No, they might get the confidence up, back, back in there home. as well. Yeah, um, Matt, I'm going to let you have the tweet league prediction this week. I am, it may be a little bit of blind faith, but I, I'm, I'm leaning towards a 2 1 win. I think common sense probably would lead more towards a draw, and I, I kind of always thinking 1 1, but I don't know. It, it, more on the basis of it, and like I say, probably even just in doing the, the previews over the last year and a half just seeing what happens and what comes to this team and we when we need a bit of a reaction and what we can pull out the bag. And I know a lot of the time we have, um, you know, mix around our, our team selections where we needed that reaction. So I wouldn't be surprised to see a few changes next week. Um, I'd, I'd expect a week of, and maybe this is the benefit of having a week. Robbins has got a week to kind of react to what's happened over the last few games and, and kind of get a reaction from them. So um, maybe a little bit of blind faith, but uh, I don't think it wouldn't be too shocking with it. 2-1, Two one squad who's win for me. I just wanted to chat briefly about the January transfer window. Obviously, it's that time of the year when you know, lots of speculation about lots of lots of rumours. Um, obviously, a bit of speculation came out last week about Gustavo Hamer. Obviously, rumours that Gerard was there watching him um, a couple of weeks ago. Um, what have you made of this piece of speculation, Dean? I think there's always going to be speculation around you know teams that are sniffing around the the playoffs about their best players. You know. That. That's nothing new. Um, and we've got, you know, some really, really good assets. And, and Gus Hamer's one of them. Um, we mentioned earlier on, obviously, has his head been turned and he wanted to play? Well, obviously, we will never know that. But, you know, there's always going to be interest. There was interest this time last year from what we gather. Um, there was also scouts from Norwich there yesterday. So, you know, are they also sniffing around him too with the knowledge that they're probably going to be back in the championship next season? So, I, I don't know. Look. The situation is this, if we get a good bid for him, he, he will more than likely go, considering the length of his contract. 
And but if that does happen, we have to utilize that money. You know, we can't be, you know, chucking in the bank for a rainy day. It has to be used now to maintain one, our playoff push, and two, our place in this division. Um, so it's disappointing if he does go. Um, and you know, he's been a real key part of this team, but you know, there's always going to be speculation. We've, mm. you know, we're Coventry City, we're selling club, unfortunately. Yeah. And that's the and situation like say, we find ourselves in. It feels quite pivotal, the January transfer window, because obviously there's always a good time to sell a player and a bad time to sell a player. Yeah. And you could also make the case that like an eight million or 10 million pound big comes in in Jan, it could be actually the, the smart decision to make. It's obviously really disappointing for the fans, but you know, if, if we felt like we were going to finish mid table anyway, but be safe in the division and yeah. that money's available to maybe spend in the summer when obviously the market's a bit better, then, you know, it could, it could be a smart move. And yeah, it's a gamble. That's just the sort of nature of it, isn't it? It is because if you look <laughs> at the situation last year, we were, you know, fighting for our lives to stay in the division. And everyone was like, oh, we can't, we can't sell him. We need him to, to stay up. Now this season, I'll be thinking, oh, we're going to need him for this playoff push. You know, you know how, how times have changed over the year. Um, and it's just a situation we find ourselves in. But like yeah. you say, it'd be a gamble if we did, you know, get rid of him, Dep- depending on where we are. But yeah. we have to utilise the money if we well. do. Yeah, of course it is. It, I mean, it's, life's it's a gamble, Tom. It. It's how the owners see it as well, isn't it? Because... You know, we have to remember that the owners see it as a, you know, they look at a balance sheet and they're looking at a player they've signed for a million. And he's possibly worth eight million and his value could halve if he had a poor end of the season. So, you know, that's that's the difference really. And that's what that's how they're seeing it. The problem is, is, is his contract length. That's yeah. the real yeah. big issue, because if we had another year, then you could say, OK, let's, you know, we don't have to listen to any offers in January because the same offer will probably be there in the summer. Or, or or close enough anyway, but considering the length of his contract, um, it's only another year, isn't it? From from this point, yeah. so it's da- it's a dangerous game. It's a really really dangerous game. We've got Figo Hare in the same situation as well, so it's it's a dangerous game to play. I, I mean, I think he'll go in January. Personally, that's my personal opinion. I think he will go. Um, but we have to utilise the money, what we get from him. And then yeah. there's another conversation on how much is he worth? It's, 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 it's crazy. Um, we all said last year before he had his dip in form, he was probably a, you know, eight to 10 million pound player. Has he showed that same form this year? I would say yes. So is he still an eight to 10 million pound player with less of a contract, less, a, a year less on his contract? It's, it's a it's a straight situation, um, but you know all clubs go through it. Yeah, yeah, it'll be interesting to see what happens. Um, but also, if he's going to go to Villa, is he going to play? That's another situation. He he's a guy who's going to want to play football, right? That's 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 his career. He's not getting any um, any younger. He come out earlier in the, a couple of weeks ago saying he had aspirations to play at the highest level. Yeah, of course he does. Yeah, we can't begrudge anybody doing that. Um, everyone should have dreams and aspirations. His is to play at a higher level. But is he going to go to Villa and, and just sit on the bench? He probably is. Mm. It's going to be very hard to get himself into that team. And they're, they're absolutely flying at the moment. So He's a confident man though, isn't he? You can yes, tell that in the way he plays football. I think he's a confident man. I think he backs he would back himself, aside from kind of the obvious thing of you know what he's going to get paid and, and the allures of becoming a Premier League player. I think he would back himself. You know, he might not be 
naive enough to think he's going to go in there and go straight in the team. But I reckon he probably would back himself to to go in there and do things in training and show what he can do and 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 kind of force his way into the team. Whether that's whether that's right or not, whether that would actually happen, I don't know. But I think he's got a lot of confidence, hasn't he? And I, I reckon he'd back himself. Yeah, sort of take the opportunity while you've got it, isn't it? I suppose mm. if you stay in the division for a bit longer, like your form might tail off a bit. And I don't know, I suppose your head can get turned by an offer and like you say, sort of fight for your for your place in the in the team. Um, Matt, what are your thoughts on where we need to strengthen in January? Um, I think for me, kind of a standout area probably would be, or if I was kind of, you know, give me a magic wand and say, look, you can, you can bring one player in, let's say. I don't think we're going to be going out and bringing loads of players in. I know a lot of people probably kind of want us to do that, think we should do it or, or whatever it may be. I don't think that's going to happen. I think kind of maybe one or two, and obviously that may be a bit dependent in terms of kind of the outgoings, obviously. But, um, you know, give me a magic wand, say that you can go and strengthen one position and, and get one type of player. I would really bring in an experienced central midfielder, similar to what we did last season when, when obviously January brought Matty James in. Somebody similar, somebody who's got experience, somebody we can probably call on as, um, you know, probably similarity to Liam Kelly, but with that confidence that they're regularly going to play just to come into that midfield. And regardless of what happens to Hayner, that's what I'd like to see, because I just think, you know, obviously if Hamer goes, that becomes the most, you know, obviously necessary, necessary position where we need to go and bring a player in. But even with him there, I think you put somebody like a Matty James in the midfield alongside him, give that, you know, obviously that kind of player, that kind of experience. You look at a game like yesterday as well. And if we're talking about kind of maybe taking that next step up, one thing yesterday is when they did turn that intensity up. And I think this has happened a few times. We've seen it this season where teams have pressed us. We've, uh, we have struggled and, and somebody who you can just call on in those situations to put their foot on the ball slow the play down, keep things calm, just say, right, you know, we're still, we're still in this game. It's, you know, even if it was after the first goal, it's 1-0, we're, we're still there, we're still good to go. I think one of the things with Hamer is, you you know, he, uh, doesn't matter what the situation is, he's going to go low percentage um, in terms of kind of what he tries to do. He's not going to pass the ball two yards to somebody alongside him. He's going to try and ping it with the outside of his boots, somebody 60 yards away. And it just would be good to have somebody alongside him who can just take the ball hold it where we need to do the right thing, you know, 90% of the time. And then obviously give Hamer that little bit more freedom to go out and, uh, and do the things that he can, if obviously he's still there afterwards. So, you know, people are going to, it's going to happen again. People are going to, we need two strikers. We need three midfielders. We need two defenders. We need this, that, and the other. Look, you know, let's be realistic. Maybe it's one or two. If we, um, if we don't sell people. And for me, you know, one of those also might be central defender, depending on what happens with Clark Salter. Obviously, I know he went back for his treatment and assuming that he's coming back, but just let's see what kind of happens in that that area. But the other big position for me probably would be, um, yeah, centre midfielder and, and somebody who can kind of take mm. the, the game by the scruff, scruff of the neck alongside Hamer, who can go out and, you know, take those low percentage opportunities. So that, that's what I'd like to see. But yeah, I think. Like Cov fans will say, yeah, we need six and we need to spend 25 million. <laughs> yeah, it's not an easy thing, is it? It's not. And it's just a lot of people said in the summer, you know, reactions again, we were not doing great in pre-season. We lost this every year, this, that and the other. And it's like, Robbins hasn't been back to back, and we haven't done this, that and the other. And you're like looking at it, you think, well, A, the window's not closed and we're going to bring more players in. But B, the other side is look at a lot of the other championship teams in the summer. They did not spend a lot of money. They did not bring a lot of people in. A lot of teams only bought kind of two, three names in. And what did we end up with about nine or 10 or so? 
Um, so he was back to a realistic uh, extent for what we can expect at, at this point in time. So I, I don't think there's going to be a lot of money there unless we do sell a couple of people. But, uh, you know, on a, an assumption or an expectation, we don't. If we have got any money, then um, I think that's the most important position position for us. Otherwise, you're going to have people reacting and saying, well, the strikers haven't scored for a couple of games, so let's go and spend five million on this, that, or the other. It's just not realistic. Let's look at kind of long term what might be uh, most important for us, and that's that's kind of where I would see it. Mm. Be interesting to see what happens. Um, that's all we've got time for this evening. Thanks for joining me as always, chaps. And listeners, make sure you follow our partner, Shortland Horn, across their social channels. And remember, you can get involved in the conversation on anything we've discussed tonight. All you need to do is use the hashtag SkyBluesExtraPodcast. Thanks for listening to the Sky Blues Extra Podcast. Away days are great, but there's nothing quite like playing at home. The same goes for McDonald's. Maximise your home ground advantage with McDelivery. Order now on the McDonald's app. At participating restaurants, 18 plus serving times, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns. This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans.